This podcast contains spoilers for Glass Onion, A Knives Out Mystery, and the original Knives Out film, Knives Out. Fiction Casebook Podcast, a podcast exploring stories of murder, mystery, and suspense. As always, I am here with my co-host James. Hello. Uh, my name is Bridget. Um, nice to meet you. <laughs> thank you. Um, so today we are looking at something. Again, we're doing something a bit different. Yeah, we're taking a, a short detour. Yeah, to look at something that's a bit more recent than the books we normally focus on. Yeah, a bit more in vogue. A bit more down with the kids. Yeah. We're going to talk about um, the latest Knives Out film, which is called Glass Onion, Mm -hmm. A Knives Out Mystery. Yeah. And is available on Netflix. We're looking at this because it fits in with what we normally talk about, really. It's kind of like a modern take on a a murder mystery story. Well, and also because we watched it a couple of times. I guess we watched it and we enjoyed it. I I think I enjoyed it more than you, maybe? Oh, I enjoyed it. You enjoyed it? Yeah, well... Um, I think that's because you maybe didn't enjoy the first one so much, so I think you were pleasantly surprised by yeah, it. Yeah, I can't really remember the first one. Which like, we also... We watched the first one in the cinema, which was just called Knives Out. It was called Knives Out. Um, it came out in 2019, Christmas time. Yes. Um, but uh, that was a while ago. I get the sense that this one is better. Well, look, let's talk about this one, and then maybe yeah. sometime in the future we'll talk about the first one. Yeah, because I'd um, quite like to watch it again. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, uh, Bridget, do you want to have a go at explaining the plot? Norm- well, normally we meticulously prepare a synopsis yeah. for these things, but we're going to do this one a bit more we're on the We're going hoof. off the hoof today. We're um, going to... On the hoof. We're going, um... Off the beaten track, on the hoof. Yeah, we're flying by the seat of our pants. Yes. Um, we by are... night. Yeah. So, uh, obviously spoilers from here on in, so watch out. Um, but... This is the second film in the Knives Out series, which stars the last of the gentleman detectives, Benoit Blanc, played by Daniel Craig. Yeah. Now, it opens with Benoit Blanc in uh, his bath, uh, in the midst of the pandemic lockdown uh, a year or two ago. Yeah, so it's set in COVID. Yes, and he says that he wants a new case. Yeah. And... It doesn't actually open with him, does it? But no, there's been it's some. Like, pr- right. It opens with those boxes. It opens with a series of disparate people being invited to a private island by a mysterious billionaire. Yeah, but they know the mysterious billionaire. He's their friend. Yes. So there's like, how many of them are there? There's like five? seven or six. Five, six, five, seven. Maybe five of them. I think it's five, but some of them bring a. Ta- um, one brings an assistant, one brings a girlfriend. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They, um, so there's there's five of them. So there's, there's nine people in the film. There's mm. Benoit Blanc, there's the two assistants, and then there's the other people, so there's six of them. Yes. Yeah. So. Six people receive boxes, and they are puzzle boxes involving, and in the centre of them, when you've done all the puzzles, you've solved all of the cryptic clues and stuff, you get an invite to the party. So they all go Correct. to a Greek island, and they all meet uh, the, 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 jetty. the jetty, ready to go on a ferry to get across to the island. To, to this billionaire's private island. Yeah. Um <clears throat> And mm. when you when they arrive there, we sort of find and and there with Benoit Blanc also receives his yes he also receives an invite yeah and when they arrive there, um, it's also it's it's specified in the invitation that it's a murder party so it's like a murder mystery weekend yes um, that this billionaire who's called Miles is going to stage his own murder right yes yeah um, just for coincidentally for fun yeah. So they're all going on this basis. They get there, they meet Miles, and we meet Miles. And he's like a... He's like a hippie billionaire. He's like a hippie billionaire um, tech yes, bro. Yes, he's the boss of like uh, a multi-armed company 
like a tech company, um, isn't it? Like a it's, it's a tech information, company, it's... communication, and media company. Is it okay? Oh, right. I don't know. I got the sense that it was like it also does like um, shopping and deliveries and things oh. because. All of their boxes arrive with a... The company's called Alpha, oh. and they come with an Alpha delivery driver. Okay. Um, yeah, so it's it's like some sort of internet business. Yes, yeah. Uh, and he's, anyway. he's a billionaire. <laughs> so they all arrive, and... I mean, this is when, I guess, things start to get a bit weird. Well, first thing that happens is that when one of the invitees arrives... Um, who is called Andy and is played by oh, Janelle yes. Monáe, so, yeah. he is shocked. He's visibly shocked at her arrival. No, but he didn't um, invite her. He's just like, Well, oh, yeah, but he's, he seems to be yeah. shocked because everyone's told us that um, she, she was his business partner. Who he, he betrayed. Bo- he booted yeah. her out of the company, so no one's expecting her to respond to any yeah. invitations. And all the friends are like, why are you even inviting her? Yeah, and everyone's like... It's like she's the ghost at the feast, isn't yes, it? Yes, very much so, because um, she's obviously got uh, beef with beef, Miles. Yeah. So everyone's shocked to see her. She's like an outcast from them, but she's there anyway, nevertheless. Um, then he invites up Blanc to his study, and he said, ah, we should probably explain that this is a glass onion. Yes, his his house is called the Glass Onion, which is named after the bar that they all used to hang out at. Yeah, which is named I've after a Beatles why. song. Yeah, um, he invites Blanc up to his like private study and says to him, which is at the top of it's like a glass study. Yes, um, it's like a conceit, a bit like in Knives Out when there was that room full of knives, wasn't there? Yes. Yeah. Because the, the guy in Knives Out was a mystery writer, so he had oh, a he had a chair made that. of knives. Yeah. Um, and he goes to, and Miles says to Blanc, why are you here? I didn't invite you. And Blanc says, oh, I received the box like everyone else. So mm. that starts off the mysterious goings on. And Miles appears to think that the reason Benoit Blanc's been invited is because one of his friends is going to try and cheat at his murder mystery mm. event by having Blanc along to help them. Yeah. So basically the first thing that happens is that... Um, so the murder murder weekend is spoiled. The murder game is spoiled. Yes, by because, Benoit Blanc because he's too good at it. So he's he just so solves clever. it immediately. He knows what's even going to happen. He they never even get to the point where the murder mystery starts because the fake murder doesn't even happen because Blanc just like mm. figures it all out before it even happens. Yeah, and embarrasses Miles. Yeah. So then all the friends are a bit jaded and they're saying they're going to go home the next day because the you know the event the hasn't come spoiled. off. Yeah. Um. But then. So in the evening, they're having, like, a drink and stuff. And um, should we explain who the characters are first? Okay. So basically, this. so we said there's there's, um, there's Detective Bonk, there's Miles, the billionaire, and he's got five friends. Mm-hmm. The, the first friend is... Um, well, okay, we talked about Andy. So Andy's the ex-business partner he betrayed, played Correct. by Janelle Monet. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's Claire. She's a politician. Yep. Um, up and coming. An up and coming governor of somewhere. She's running for Senate, a Senate position. Oh, right. She, she is the governor of somewhere. She has been, yeah. yeah. But she's moving on to okay. bigger and better things. Um, Lionel is a scientist. He's like the chief research he's, scientist yeah, for Miles' he, company. He works he? for Alpha. Yeah. Yeah. He's like their chief scientist. Birdie is a model uh, played by Kate Hudson. Yes. She's like. Um, well, she's, she's a model like a and a silly... former it girl, yeah. and she's sort of she's gone... like a good time girl, party girl. Yeah, but yeah. she's like a bit past it, she's and past it, is yeah. like a bit of a silly figure now. But she's got a current business um, called selling called yoga pants. pants or something. Yeah. Sweatpants, or right. as we would call yeah, them sorry. in this country, jogging yoga buttons. pants is an Americanism for. For leggings. For leggings, yeah. So she and sells sweatpants. sweatpants. Are jogging so I was trying to be accurate and use the American term. Yeah, well, it's sweatpants. Right, because I was like thinking, what's the American for sweats for trackies? Yeah. And I said yoga pants. Well, but that's wrong, wrong, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. So she sells <clears throat> sweatpants. Yeah. Peg is her assistant. She's also there. Oh, the reason she sells sweatpants is because. Um, in the um, the movie, it's like it's to do with COVID. Yes, because she got into she got really wearing the sweats all the time. Craze yeah, the yeah. Pandemic. Um, Peg is her like 
assistant. little assistant girl that she yeah. has around all the time. But um, she's probably really the brains behind the operation, isn't she? Yeah, she's she, like she keeps everything careful. together. Because um, Birdie's a loose Birdie, cannon. Birdie's a loose cannon and she has to be controlled. Yeah. Um, she goes on Twitter and says things and then regrets it. Yeah. Um, so she has to be looked after. Um, Duke is... Duke uh, is the last friend. He is a Twitch streamer. Yes. Played by Batista. Well, he's a... Oh, is he a wrestler in the show? No, he's no, just No, Batista like, is a wrestler in real life. Right, okay. Or was, anyway. Um, he's a Twitch streamer and video gamer. Apparently, he's a video gamer. Okay, yeah, right. he's a, that's why he's a Twitch streamer. I think. All right. It says it says he's a men's rights activist and video gamer yeah. and YouTube Twitch streamer. Yes. On the wiki. Yes. So he's like um, got this really successful Twitch channel. Yeah. Well, again, I think he's had his ups and downs, but yeah. Um, and his assistant and girlfriend is Whiskey. Yes. Who's like a girl. She is sort of her own up-and-coming personality. Yeah. Um, She's going to be a celebrity. Yeah, yeah. And uh, these people, not including Peg and Whiskey, are called the Disruptors. Yeah, so the, the core group things. of them is that they're the Disruptors. They, they've got this, like, ragtag band of yeah, cause they people break the who met at university. Industries. No, they didn't meet at university. They met when they were, like, ten years younger, and then yes. they started... the the alpha brand and um well, they consider them, and, um, yeah Miles did. they consider themselves to be a ragtag band of disruptors yeah although they have like nothing in common so yeah the believability see... of their friendship is Some slightly them... thin but um, <laughs> yeah they're not I mean they all hate, they? they all hate duke because he's such an outlier compared to the rest of them but i thought they all hated like birdie and Oh, well, I, I guess they all, they all of, hate each other. Yeah, I they guess. all hate each other. Yeah, because none of them are very nice. Obviously. None of them are similar. They're in, not in even... true murder mystery style. They're all pretty horrible. Yeah, um, they're pretty dodgy. I'd say. <clears throat> I wouldn't say they're horrible. They're like they're sort of dodgy. Yeah, yeah. Um, so going back to the plot, the murder mystery has been spoiled, and then just as they're sort of uh, getting a bit jaded and drunk after that, um, Duke. Uh, suddenly dies. Feels over. Yeah. yeah, he dies. And it's very dramatic, and it turns out that he's been poisoned. Yeah. Now then, this obviously kicks off a panic, which is made worse um, when Miles thinks that, or appears to think, that the intended poisony was him. Yeah, because it turns out that the poison that Duke drank came from, from Miles' Miles's own glass that he accidentally picked up. Mm. But because he's set up a murder game, he's rigged for all the lights to go out on his private island. So uh, shortly after the death of Duke, the lights all go out. Now, when the lights all go out, everybody starts panicking and yeah, getting themselves armed and like yeah, a gun. Duke carries a gun at all times, so that obviously goes missing. Someone's running around with a gun. Phone's gone missing. His gun's gone missing. Um, a knife has gone missing, although that never got followed up. <laughs> okay. So everyone's running around in the dark. It's very exciting. And then, basically, um, this is when things get complicated. Yeah. Basically, what we see then is is Blanc chatting with Andy before outside. Andy, is... Andy went missing before Duke died, and she was yeah, no she'd, SBC. she'd stormed off because they had She'd stormed off because she, yeah, they don't like her. And... Um, he he meets up with her in front of the house and um, they are chatting and um, she is shot mm. by a mystery individual hiding behind the wall. Yes. Um, yeah, so um, we don't know who did that. That's sort of part one of the film, isn't so it? So that's like, that sort of rounds it off into two halves, really. Yeah, that's part mm. one. Uh, and then basically, like, there's then a big switch around and big twist and we find out we go back in time and we find out that actually the person who we thought was Andy is actually her twin sister, Helen. Now, Andy was found dead by suicide about a week before Apparent this. Apparent suicide. Yeah, so the suicide involved sleeping tablets and she... And uh, putting on your car in the yeah, garage. Yeah, she, she left her car engine running in the garage mm. um, and died. Um, 
and that the problem is that well the catch is that the death was never announced so nobody on the island or in or in the public eye like knows about yeah, the death because her her only surviving relative is the twin sister Helen who's yeah. not a celebrity so, so she doesn't think to so call a Helen, press conference yeah so Helen's not a celebrity she's just a twin sister she doesn't think to announce the death um but she does receive the box and she opens it and she finds Andy's invitation from miles to the island she Correct. goes to Blanc and they set up because she thinks uh, we haven't explained the trial. So before this, the, the reason for the apparent suicide is that Andy had, you know, how she'd been kicked out of the company. She had actually been, they, they'd gone to trial and Miles had basically done her out of her own share in the company by claiming that she didn't have any ideas behind it. Well, he'd been undermining her from the get go. Yeah. She was busy working away and he was, in addition to his normal work, um, keeping his legal team primed to eventually get rid of her yeah. and get footholds in for his uh, property wherever possible. So that when it came to it and they had an argument over this experimental fuel, which we'll talk oh, more God. about later, he this just kicked so her out. Anyway, the trial goes down to On who the- had the original idea for what for Alpha company. was going to yeah. be. And this original idea was written, was down. written on a napkin yeah. in the glass onion bar yeah. by either Miles or Andy. But it depends on uh, who, who, had the who had that original idea, gets ownership of the company. So he forges his own napkin and she has the well, real you napkin. Know, yeah, they can both easily produce a napkin, except that it was on the Miles has got a group of trustworthy, apparently, friends who will yeah. back up his side of the story. Because he's got this faction within the company who follow him. Yes. So well, they Because Miles' with... true skill is to network with people and yeah. to get what he wants out of people. So yeah. he has the disruptors ready to support him because yeah. he supports them in their business ventures. Yeah, he banks. Whereas Andy her. just does her own thing, so she doesn't have a network of supporters. Yeah, so it turns out that he did her over in this trial because he produced his own napkin. She mm-hmm. couldn't find the original, and therefore it was she lost her company, basically. Yes. Um, so the idea is that she commits suicide, but actually Helen, the sister, believes that it was a murder. Correct. So Helen goes to Blanc. They arrange this setup where Helen will play the role of Andy at the yes. party, and then it will out the murderer. Yeah. This The idea of this is that it makes it more believable, that it makes it seem less suspicious that a detective is showing up. Yeah, and also they believe that she, they believe that Miles has stolen the napkin. Which is in a red envelope. Yes. And that it will be in the glass onion. They need to find it. Mm-hmm. Right. So we we see all this and then we go back to the moment where Andy slash Helen was killed on the terrace of the house. Mm-hmm. And it actually turns out that she uh, she survived this. They use this point in the film. Uh, Blanc tells her to go and search the glass onion for this envelope. Yep. Right. Um and then she finds the envelope. And Blanc does the big denouement. Yeah, that's about it, really. Basically, and um, he reveals to them that he knows that, spoiler, the murderer of Andy is Miles. Now, this is because we know this because Miles killed Duke. And he killed Duke yes. because Duke had revealed to him the day before that. No, Duke revealed, well, revealed two things. Yeah, Duke did not realise the significance of what he had seen. So what precipitated Andy's death was, having lost the trial, she then later on found her original napkin. So she she found the napkin yeah, in her house. and she told the disruptors that she'd found the napkin. Yeah. Right? So then they panic. It was in a red envelope. Yeah. Then they panic because they know that this real napkin could bring down miles. So they all go around to see her. To try and sort the problem yeah, out. to try and work out what's to be done. But they when went to Duke different... is going for Duke he gets there first, first yeah. and as he is going there, he sees Miles coming the other way. Now yeah. they don't know that Andy is dead, so he yeah. doesn't think anything of this yeah, in particular. He doesn't understand the significance of it. But at the party, the day before like that the day of the party when he's killed in the evening, mm-hmm. he tells Miles that he saw him on the way back from Andy's house because they he nearly flattened him on his motorcycle. Yes. Um and he mentions it 
and he doesn't know the significance of what he saw, but then Miles obviously realises he has to be... He's been seen. Yeah, he's been seen, and that as soon as they find out that Andy's dead, he's going to be implicated because Duke saw him leave the house. Yeah. So Duke must be killed, so Duke is then Mm -hmm. murdered. Well, Duke really finishes himself off by Uh, finding out... Because he has Google Alerts on his phone, he finds out... That and there is, it is eventually leaked that Andy is um, dead, and it comes through to Duke's phone. And, and he finds he... out first and decides to try and blackmail Miles, Miles. about the information. Yes. Um, so he has to die. Yeah. According to Miles, and he dies. Like and he dies. <laughs> and he dies. Uh, and it's quite Miles good because we dies. find <laughs> it's quite interesting because we find Miles doesn't die. We find out that Miles did this by it was fishy as anything when we saw what happened with the glasses being switched because Miles just sort of put the glass in front of him and then he picked it up as if he'd been offered a drink. Yeah, well, well it, it he literally out, put it in his hand. Yeah, well, it turns out that's what happened. Yeah, um, Miles made him a drink and included pineapple juice in it, and he's allergic to pineapple juice, so he's, he wasn't he's actually so allergic. He because dies there was instantly, there was no poison in the house or something, so they, he had to improvise. Yeah, so he knew he had a pineapple allergy, so he went for that. Yeah, pretty convenient. Yeah, it's <laughs> convenient. So, um, yeah, and then they have the big denouement. Yes. And um, then Andy unwisely gets out the napkin and waves it around in front of Miles because she found it in the glass onion. Not Andy. Okay. Helen gets the napkin out, waves it in front of Miles, and he burns it. Yeah. And says, ha ha, you don't have the napkin anymore. And then something really weird happens, which is that Blanc just tells her to, like, well, he tells her to, like, have some spirit or something, have some courage. Well, and he leaves, <clears throat> and then all hell breaks loose. Yeah, I mean, so so Miles is um, got a fall coming sooner or later, anyway, because he's piled all of his resources and investment into this experimental hydrogen fuel. Yeah, we haven't mentioned this yet, but it's yet yeah, thing. but it's like a central plot point. Yeah, um, this is the thing that he became obsessed with at an ayahuasca party. And he went to Andy and was like, we need to invest in this. And she was like, no, that's a stupid idea. So that's why he booted her out of the company. And anyway, he's taken this further and further along. He's really ploughed all the company resources into it. But it's basically really dodgy and dangerous. dangerous. It's not safe for, you know, widespread implementation. And they find out that he's powering... He find out that he's powering the glass onion with this fuel. Yeah. But at some point, basically, this is all going to literally blow up in his face because... It's a dodgy thing. Yeah. So what happens is Blanc just tells her to like improvise Precipitate basically. This. Yeah, get and it going. he just goes outside and then um she starts smashing everything and then eventually she um She starts a fire. She starts a fire and then everything blows up. Yeah, because there's because hydrogen there's everywhere. Hydrogen fuel and um because he's got the Mona Lisa in his house. Yeah, he's like borrowed the Mona Lisa on loan because of COVID. Yeah. He's a billionaire. Yeah, no one's going to the And then the, the house blows up, so... Yeah, and he destroys the Mona Lisa. The end of the film, we're just told, like, he got away with the murder, but, but he's, he's ruined, because ruined because he destroyed the Mona Lisa with his hydrogen fuel glass onion thing. Yeah. Well, um, and the company's going to go down and the company because will, yeah. they've put so much into this dangerous fuel. Yeah. And all of the disruptors betray him because he's no yeah. longer in a position to help them. Yeah, yeah. So that's the so end that's of the that. movie. That was painful. Oh my goodness. I hope that that made sense and wasn't too painful. <laughs> it almost certainly didn't, but at it least was we got to the end to of go it. it. And now we can talk about the fun stuff. Yeah. Yeah, so should we talk about... Um, Benoit Blanc. Yes, Benoit Blanc. I like Benoit Blanc. Played by former James Bond actor Daniel Craig. I really like his portrayal. I think that he um, is very funny. Yeah, so he is a gentleman detective in the modern day. Yeah. He says he's the last of the gentleman detectives. And most importantly, he has a comedy southern accent. Southern yeah. American, not southern. He's like, I don't southern know where he's from, like Louisiana accent. or... Yeah, I think he's from Somewhere Louisiana. like that. So, well, somewhere French, presumably. Yeah, French place. Um, yeah, and he's very like... I really like him. He's He makes me think of like Peter Whimsy or something. Like he's, Yeah, he's very much a modern day Whimsy or yeah. Poirot or... Exactly. He's got a lot of comedy to him. Yeah, lots of comedy. He's like very much a caricature, like but he's got a lot of charm and like he's he's also just quite like a nice person, isn't he? 
Yeah, well, he's I mean... He's like a simple guy, like, he, he's just really clever and stuff. Yeah, he's very much in the vein of um, gentleman detectives that have gone before him. So he's, like, sort of lacks a bit of self-awareness. Yeah. He's conservative, he's, but very gentlemanly. Um, he's got sort of a bit of an arrogance that he slightly struggles to keep in check. And he's, he's very obviously similar. a very silly sort of dandified figure. Ryan John- Johnson, the director, has said that it's like he wants it to be like Poirot, but I actually think he's very <clears> like. Um, I think he's quite a lot like Lord Peter. Lord Peter. Yes, yeah, so I see what you mean about that. He is, he is a bit more like because he's high class and traditional mm. and um, yes. kind of like upper class he's... seeming. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously we are not Americans, so we don't know. I think we just have to accept that we are going to. Put our foot in it slightly with these <laughs> things and just plow on and do it anyway. Yeah, we don't know about um, American culture. This is our perception of this stuff. Yeah, but he seems to live in... Well, he seems to live in a CGI hellscape, but, <laughs> you know. Um... <clears throat> and he has a flat with, like, a balcony and um, they sit on it and it looks very nice, but you thought it was a bit fake looking. Yeah, well, it had a CGI backdrop. It reminded when, me... Which was weird because the rest of the film didn't. <laughs> It well, reminded me a lot CGI. of the um, the Branagh Poirot um, CGI Nile, yeah, which I didn't like. No, well, I don't think anyone liked it. No, people liked it. Oh, there were okay. reviews where they were like, "Oh, how sumptuous the Nile looks in the film!" Right. Thanks to computer generated Egypt. Thanks to it not being a real Nile. Yeah. Um, yeah, but uh, yeah, Beaumont Blanc is really good. Um, it's uh, really it's good. really uh, Daniel Craig is a really good comic. He's actor, really funny, yeah. So it's it's good to see him doing something slightly. So different. hopefully, maybe that will be his new thing. Like after now, he doesn't do James Bond. He's gonna maybe just do this. All yeah, the well, time. I'd expect they'll do at least a few more of these. I hope um, so. Yeah, it's just <laughs> you have to hope they just don't make an absolutely terrible one and you know crash the whole franchise they've just got to be um, really careful with how convoluted the plots are i think yes most of all um he in in the first one it was a bit like what's going on here um because the accent was so mad yeah and, so i think um, yeah but i think it sort of settled slightly in this so, one and Pete, we're aware of how it works now like it's a it's funny it's, it's a comedy a as well thing. as a who done it just think chill out when the first one came out i remember reading reviews where people were like oh his accent's really bad and stuff and it was like touch and go like yeah um, i think he's gone maybe he's just had more practice doing the accent but i think maybe he's gone a bit less stupid with the I accent don't think in this one the accent is bad but like, is that bad, really? I think people are definitely more prepared for it now. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, he's really good. I like it. <laughs> um, and I hope they make more with him in. Yeah. I think that also maybe the tone of the film as well. Like you say, the first one came out and people were a bit like, why is Daniel Craig doing a really stupid accent that he Four can't... like horn accent. Yeah, and I think people didn't really maybe... We, we all... The world was not ready for it yet. Maybe they didn't get... That it's just all meant to be very funny, like mm. a la Poirot. Mm. Like it's meant to be really quite comic. A very, yeah, real. And, like, well, I think that is what it is meant to be. Yeah. In the same way that a lot of Poirot ones are, um, I think this is meant to be a pastiche of the elite classes yeah. in our world at the moment. Yeah, yeah. In the same definitely. way that lots of Poirot ones are very much parody or partly parody of the the elite classes yes, in, at you, that time. You get, you get a sense that this is a a kind of about a, a social class of people. Because um, it is, like, this represents different <clears throat> segments of an elite class. Yes. They're all kind of different in their... They lean different ways, maybe they... The window dressing is slightly different, but they're all kind of of the same set, essentially. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that's why they're all hanging out together. And yes, it's what links them. Yeah. Well, what truly links them now is is Miles and his yeah. billions. But um, what has tied them together to begin with is um, they're sort of similar. Yeah, social all, class. Yeah, they're like basically just like really rich celebrities. Yeah. Um, who have a lot of like interest in rich person things, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, just like to say now, uh, Ryan Johnson, Daniel Craig. Janelle Monet, any of you guys, you'd be welcome on the podcast <laughs> uh, in future episodes. Yes, please. <laughs> if you're listening. Which one would you like most? I mean, Daniel um, Craig, probably. Yeah, I think Daniel That'd Craig. That would be the best one. Um, yeah. And Daniel Craig, actually, no. Well, he used to live in Stratford. I looked him up earlier because I was wondering where his accent, like his natural accent was, and yeah. he's from Cheshire. Right. 
Well, they did our friends in the north, didn't they? Yeah, well, which made me think maybe he was like from the far north. Mm-hmm. There's no right. Who's the next? Should we talk about Miles? So yeah, like I think we should talk about Miles and Andy. Can and sort I just of one. say before we start? There's been a lot in the press about this film, yeah. trying to make parallels with real life personalities and real life companies and stuff. It just, to me, it seems totally irrevant who they are meant to represent, like actual individual people. Because I want to treat, I want to treat this like, um, like a Poirot or something, where they're just essentially like stereotypes almost of yes. certain types of people, aren't they? Yeah. So I think the key one for this is, is Miles, Miles Braun, the who bit... is a billionaire, Playboy businessman, celebrity. Uh, tech in tech guy. Yeah. yeah. The point is, he's not one of these people. He's just a, yeah. a parody. Of we all know what it is about, don't we? Eccentric billionaire businessman. Yeah. Who we you all can... suspect of being slightly a fraud. Yeah. Well, because he is one. Yeah. Well, is he a fraud, or is he well, someone no... who is very skilled at making profits out of his Some situation? People, a higher level. Uh... <laughs> At the high levels of um, business, I think a lot of people's job is essentially to make connections and yes. try and get people to invest in a company. Yeah, absolutely. So I, what I find quite nice about this is that it really does fit into that golden age detective um, milieu. You could literally make a carbon copy of these people in whenever the 1920s or 30s or whatever. Yes, and the roles would be they would be basically the same. Be, yeah, yeah you, you can have the socialite, the scientist, the billionaire, uh, the magnate. Yeah, yeah. You know, the uh, the politician. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's all just sort of pulled into the twenty first mm. century. Mm. Yeah. Well, I don't know what the Twitch streamer would be in the thirties. I guess he'd be like some sort of new type of celebrity that is a bit uncomfortable and like lowbrow. Yeah, like a musical performer. Yeah, something like that. I don't know. I don't really know at all. I don't think they really went in for bodybuilding at all then. No, bodybuilding started in the the 60s or something. Well, it blew up after Arnold Schwarzenegger did that pumping iron film. Yeah. And all the Hollywood men started... You know, Sylvester Stallone and that came along. So, um, Andy, I guess, we talked about her, but she's the ex-business partner. I mean, she comes across as very classy and sensible and the brains behind the operation. Yeah, she's kind of a cut above the rest of them because she actually operates on her own merits. Yeah, but that's her downfall is that she has integrity and also she's basically... The brains behind the outfit, so she, she's not as sneaky yeah. as Miles. Well, she and also operate, all the others. And she doesn't operate in that mercenary way. So, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So she gets taken down and um, eventually murdered. Claire. So is I think there. the moral of the story is um, be, <laughs> be a betrayer. Be sneaky. <laughs> yeah, or you will get murdered. <laughs> or you will die. Don't just be good at what you do. <laughs> Claire is a politician. Yes. She's being. <clears throat> She's being funded by this company, by Miles, in her campaign. Can I just say, we missed a very key point um, when we summed up the plot. Um, when Helen got shot, she survived. I said that. Did you? Okay. I think. All right. I, think I don't I think you it. did. Oops. <laughs> anyway. No, I did, because I said she has to go and use the opportunity when the lights are out to run up to the top of the glass and you can find the envelope. Yeah. yeah. She survived because she had Andy's diary in her pockets. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah, so Andy saved her. And obviously books in pockets always stop bullets. They do seem to. I wonder how they would It was fare. only a small gun and it, it had already gone bullet, it had already it? gone through a glass thing, like a stained glass window or something. So I noticed that in uh this is not just singular to this particular film, uh it was the same in the last knives out film, and uh it's sort of the same in the latest Branner adaptation, adaptations of Poirot, mm-hmm. um, although maybe not quite, there are no subplots in these yes. films, um, which is sort of a key feature of your classic Golden Age whodunit. Yeah, I know, and I never thought about it. Um... So normally in, you know, an Agatha Christie, there'll be like the central murderer or whatever, but then it will turn out that someone else is a thief or yeah. taking drugs secretly, yeah. and that will cause them to behave sneakily. Or my favourite, blackmailing somebody. Yes, it's often blackmail. Um, And that will will produce red herrings. Yeah. Um, But that's not the case in these. There's never, or there doesn't seem to be someone else who is doing something. 
Yeah. Um, I suppose maybe there was a slight subplot in this one with whiskey, but it's not. It's not really one. It's still essentially the same plot. Yeah. Um, what you're looking for is like an alibi that does, you know, that is thwarted by a subplot, essentially, yeah. isn't it? Like. But, you know, that the actual reason why they couldn't have done the crime is actually they were doing some other crime yeah, or something. Yeah, exactly. Um, I think that's really interesting. Um, I think the plots in these <clears throat> type of things tend... To, so, like, a lot of modern... I'm not, I don't want to be, like, a party pooper or whatever, but I think the plots do not hang together quite as well as an Agatha Christie would. Obviously, she's the queen of crime, so you'd expect that. Yeah. But they, they don't... You you can sort of you look really hard at them, which you shouldn't do because that's yeah. pointless. We we talked about this when we finished it the other day. Um, yeah. Both of us really enjoyed watching this film. Oh, I love it. But when you go back over it, yeah, it doesn't really quite hang together in there certain is places. With the plot, whereas it doesn't really matter because you enjoy it yeah. when you're watching it. Yeah, but. If you compare that to most Agatha Christie's and um, other classic Golden Age crimes, yeah. they are like totally tight. And when you go back through them, every single thing that happens has a like a solid logical reason. Yeah, I, they maybe could tie up things better with the subplots. Yeah, I think they... basically if if they had like could a couple more that? things going on, I then actually that actually thought... can simplify the main plot. Like I thought, it gives more I saw some subplots hidden. like that were hidden that were not subplots. Okay, you... what did you think was going to happen? Let's play did the game. Did you have of what any Bridget sneaky thought thoughts about what might be going on that you've forgotten until now? Nope, not at all. I thought that like Lionel oh. and Claire might be like not maybe not having an affair, but yes, like, I did think that. Yeah, really possibly well. like having an affair, but or like maybe just like in an alliance together gonna do something bad yeah because they kept having like sneaky conversations didn't they yeah <laughs> i i did i did think they might be having an affair yeah which i'm here for but i that... ship them <laughs> that would be irrelevant though because it wasn't really Lion- lionel i believe is single so he needs some love and oh, um... he? he spends his whole time in that really big dark room that he was in at the yeah. beginning i guess it's because it's in the pandemic he's like the only yes. one still in the building so other things that I thought, um, so so I actually really liked the uh, whiskey plotline. Yes, yeah, so that, that so was basically a, that was a very well executed. Twist. Duke is like a big wrestler guy, and he's played by Dave Bautista. Yeah, who you knew who that was? I did not. Yeah, it's Bautista. Bautista. Yeah. Um, and he brings with him his assistant. She's like a yeah. I can imagine her going to like Burning Man and stuff like that. All of these people are very burning, man. Yes. Um, so she she and Miles are, like, obviously having an affair. Yeah, they're, He's like, given... all over each other it's from really, the section. It's really They don't really cover us up. Yeah, because, like, Duke's meant to be friends with Miles, but obviously <clears throat> Whiskey is having an affair with Miles. He's, like, given her a necklace as well, we're told. Yeah. Um, and then Duke sees them through the window, um, like, in bed together, basically. Yeah. And then... Blanc sees Duke seeing them mm. through the window and we like see Duke and then we see like Blanc. <laughs> it's really funny because he like pokes his head out from behind a wall. Yes. A <laughs> it was really funny. Yeah. And and we see that. <clears throat> now later on in the film, we actually find out that Duke and Whiskey are working together, working on Miles. Yeah. So she is actually trying to sort of uh, influence um, using whiskey to influence him to try and get him a slot on like his primetime TV network yeah. or whatever. Yeah, I don't know what it is, <laughs> but um, yeah, that that was when they revealed that in the end of the film. You audibly heard me go, "Oh, yeah," because <laughs> I was like, no, "That was a good oh, twist." That was a didn't, good one. Didn't see it. Coming. I didn't see it coming. Not at all. The other, the other, obviously, main twist was. Um, well, kind of a double twist, actually, when apparently Andy got shot um, and then turned out to be an identical twin and then survived the <sighs> shooting. Um, she died so early on, and Janelle Monáe is, like, such a big thing. Yeah. Like, you know that it's a film with Janelle Monáe, and it's kind of like, nah, there's no way. Really? <laughs> she's oh, like, I just thought she died. There's no way she's like, going to be out of the film at this point. I just thought she died, just fell for it completely, but the only thing is I, did, I noticed that you didn't notice, you said, was... Um, Daniel Craig just called her Helen oh, in yeah, that I didn't, scene. I didn't clock that. And I was like, really like, uh? Yeah. 
I was weirded out by it because I was obviously nobody called Helen. The identical twin thing is obviously (sighs) a bit of a trick. I'm not sure about having twins in these things. Yeah. If it had been like the main plot point that reveals the murder, you would have been like, it's but not it wasn't. too bad. They, 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 it was early on, so I think it's fine. Um, I don't really approve of having twins in yeah. these things. I don't know. Um, in the first Knives Out, there was a whole character who couldn't lie. Yeah. Because and it wasn't really explained. Every time she lied, she was sick. Yeah. And um, it meant that there was a character in there who like kind of was a cheat character, like. Yeah. So I didn't I'll, think it was that bad. Uh, should we? Because I want to reveal yeah. why that was particularly egregious in my opinion, but it requires spoiling the film. Oh, I can't remember the film's ending or anything. Okay, right. So she's introduced as a character that can't lie, right? And if she lies, she's sick. That's not real, and it's silly, and it's a conceit. <laughs> but the thing is, they gimmick. don't even abide by their own rule with that because at the end, she tells a lie and isn't sick. Yeah, and it's like, oh, I just yeah. wasn't. I, I just wasn't this time because it was for the plot. And yeah. it's like, don't introduce a stupid rule and then break it. Yeah, but like, I'm not going to be like the nerdy, weird person who's like, oh, well, I think that breaks the rules. Because I came out of the cinema and I was like, um, telling everyone that I liked the film, but I didn't really approve of having a character that can't lie. Yeah, but that's at least like if you're introducing key. your own rule, you've got to stick to it. Yeah, I mean, okay. it's so ridiculous. Well, let's move on from uh, Yeah, anyway, so twins, bit controversial. Yeah, but. a little bit controversial. When I, when I, 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 I rule it acceptable. It's okay, one. yeah, it's fine. Um, how it looks. Yeah, certainly you know, very like, bright. Disgusting CGI. There was only one scene <laughs> that I thought looked really bad, and it's because it had a CGI background, it was on his balcony, yeah. and um, I thought it spoiled the lighting in the whole shot. Mm. But apart from that, I thought it looks great. Really great. I really like the costumes. Yeah. Everyone um, looked really nice. Yeah, they were all dressed very, uh, very well. Garishly. It was great. So, very garish. You really liked Kate Hudson's mermaid dress. That was good. Yeah, all sorts. Janelle Monáe's outfits were obviously amazing. Like, the dress she wore on the boat was amazing. And I quite liked that it, it took... It was, so it was glamorous. So apparently Ryan Johnson, like, compared it with, like, Evil Under the Sun and, like, other... Golden Age Mysteries, where they go off to, like, an island and spend yeah. time together, you know, like, rich people off on an island. Evil Under the Sun's not really like that. Evil Under the Sun, they go to, like, the resort retreats, and it's just in, like, Cornwall or something. It's on Bear Island, isn't it? Yeah. It's not, like, the most, op- you know, it's not like, um... Like, Death on the Death Nile. Death on the Nile. Yeah, well, you get the idea, yeah, like... Yeah, 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 So it also reminded me a lot of And Then There Were None, the way they, like... Oh, yeah, very much Because so. they all, like, they arrive in... one by one, and they're like, oh. Yeah, they don't know why they're there. They know that it's a murder party and they know that, that, you know, they have to get the boat together over to the island. And then they're all stuck. When they're there, they're trapped. Yeah, they're stuck on the island because um, there's something about the the jetty or something. There's something about the port or whatever. Yeah, he has a thing that comes out of the water to receive boats and it only works at low tide. It's not a good thing to have, yeah. Yeah, you think about it. Like, if it comes just out of the water, then the water has changes. There has to be a low tide, yeah. Um, so they're basically trapped on the island. So it was very light, and then they were on, and it was also a bit like lots of others. Um, obviously, really like the whole um, gimmick of having a murder party. Yeah, always good. So it reminded me a lot of a murder is announced mm-hmm. because that one is just like there's like a, a notice in the newspaper that's like, "Come to so and so's house. A murder will take place at eight o'clock." And everyone's like, "Oh, a murder! Let's go and see. It's exciting." Mm. And then one happens. Yeah. Um, and also that one, so the whole thing about the lights going out, I think was very evocative to me of Agatha Christie, because it's a thing she uses, she uses in a murder as an ass. That's the one with the lights go out and there's a torch flashing around. Yeah. And it's about who can see what when the lights are out. But the other one is, um, in, they do it with mirrors. Both of these are marbles. They do it with mirrors. There's also an calculated lights going out at a certain time so that things can be done in the dark. Yes, yeah. And I thought that was, like, really... It was, like, a nice little um, gimmick mm-hmm. that was just very, mm-hmm. very obviously of that kind of ethos. Yeah. And, I mean, I love the fact that it's bringing Golden Age mystery-style content into the 21st century 
Yeah, well, the first, really appealing. The, the first one, which was a big success, does seem to have kicked off a phenomenon because... There's been a few. Um, there have been other films of this style. Can you name any? N- no. Because we haven't seen any. <laughs> <laughs> no, we haven't seen... Well, one of them got panned. Oh. There was one that had Judy Dench in. Yeah, so I don't um, know about that. The Glass Onion thing was a bit weird. Let's talk about the pop culture references. Right, okay. This basically film... every other line or thing that you see in this film is a pop culture reference of some sort. Yeah, I mean, it it kind of feels like it wants to be seen as having its finger on the pulse, which is no bad thing. Yeah. In my opinion, it's got quite a lot of how do you do fellow kids <laughs> in it. Kids wouldn't know about this stuff, though. Yeah, okay, well, how do you do fellow cool 20-year-olds? Yeah, cool um, 30-year-olds, yeah. maybe? 35-year-olds? Okay. Yeah. But you, 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 yeah. Know, you get what I mean, right? It's, it's, yeah, it's trying desperately hard to be cool, I think. In, and, it knows um, a lot about, like, online culture and stuff, I think. Yes. So, at the beginning, um, Benoit Blanc is playing Among Us with his yeah. friends. Um, on Zoom, because it's COVID. And yeah. So, I think the curse of COVID films might be that it's going <laughs> to age them within, like, six months, because... They mention Quiplash, don't they? Yeah. And I like, oh, I, but it's because it's gone away kind of mm. now. Because, um, like, Quiplash is not current at all. But it's funny how it's gone out so quickly. I don't think that matters. It's no, it was funny. It was pandemic. funny. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it's, uh, they, they've sort of really leaned into trying to put together a cool soundtrack and everything. And it's, yeah. It's named after a Beatles song. Yeah. Um, I think. They they do quite a nice job of like um having different constituencies represented in the different characters, I think. Oh yeah. In terms of the references and the ideas it has about pop culture, it, it's it's very um neutral and it doesn't yeah. it doesn't like really go in hard to take the Mickey out of like a particular, Any type particular of person, person. Which is no, good. Yeah. yeah. Um because like what I thought was really funny was that um like Birdie's like she she's like a loose cannon and she keeps getting mm. into trouble and things like because she doesn't know what she's doing. Yeah, and she makes this well, grave and also error. She has this um, highly conceited complex that she thinks that she is a truth. Oh yes, when in reality she, she just talks rubbish she's just the whole time. Silly, yeah. yeah. But she she's made this grave error. She um, has this sweatpants business, and um, what the the twist is basically that. Miles is holding over her is that they know that the, the sweatpants are being produced in a sweatshop in Bangladesh. Yeah. Um, so she's going to be destroyed. And it's about to get leaked at some yeah, point. Yeah, she's going to lose her reputation because she's doing this really unethical thing. So and... someone has to take the flag for it. <laughs> yeah. And Miles is saying, you have to do this because I'm not doing it. Yeah, and it turns out that she, because she doesn't know what she's doing... She she'd okayed it because she thought sweat sweatshop was where you made sweatpants. Yeah, it's not a mistake you should make, but Mm-mm. yeah. Um. Yeah. So. Um. You know what I would have liked about it though. What? Because I am like a boring person. Mm-hmm. I would have liked the plot to be linear. I could have lived without the big midway twist. Yeah, which is Andy turning out to be Helen. Yeah, because that's not really that big a twist, is it? I was kind of okay with it, but I see your point. It was not necessary, and you could have definitely cut the wrong time. It's not the twist um, of the film. No, it's not the big twist. So you could definitely have just had it so that we know from the beginning how Benoit Blanc and Andy are operating and what the truth is. Yeah, I I could live without it. It should have just started with her suicide slash murder and then Helen going to Benoit Blanc. Yeah. And they could Blenoir go... Blanc. Blenoir Blanc. <laughs> and then they just go to the island and we know what's going on from the start. I don't really understand what we would have lost from yeah. that. Yeah, I mean, it's it's personal preference, isn't it? People, well, I think it's I think a, people like these... It's a fashion um, at the moment. Yeah, it's yeah. that there's got to be like... A, I think it's like a Gone Girl thing. I, I, yeah, I think there's a trend at the moment for like a midway twist. Yeah, and it's not necessarily the twist of the film either, which mm. makes it weird and... No, well, it can't be the main no, twist exactly. of the film because... That has to come at the end. Yeah. But yeah, that's that is I I think that's a reasonable comment. Um I also thought that the ending could have been a bit less and Yes, because I agree. they could they could have ended it with them bringing down Miles in a legit way. 
I would have found that much more satisfying. Yeah, they didn't. The destroying the napkin was like I thought. I found it quite a deflating moment. Yeah. And they also had another piece of evidence against Miles, which was that he had been sent the email that Andy sent out notifying the disruptors yeah. of the existence of the original napkin. So there's a clear like. He knows that the danger is there and would have been motivated to go back and kill her. Well, you could also have just slipped in some more evidence and just done this legitimately yeah. because this is the 21st century. Like, if he went there, slipped poison into her cup and then, like, put her in the car and, like, there'll be evidence there. Yeah, um, there's a good I chance mean, she'd have, like, a CCTV DVD, doorbell. DNA, all sorts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So... Yeah, you're right, DNA evidence. Yeah, I know, there would be evidence probably in the house and stuff. Yeah, fingerprints. Um, yeah, CCTV from the next door neighbour, anyone, yeah. you know. Um, he drove the big blue car there, so... Yeah, yeah, he drove He drove his very notified... He's also killed Thingy as well, he killed Duke, so there's yeah. maybe evidence about that as well. Well, which might also th- make the disruptors think, maybe we need to turn against this well, guy if he's willing on... to kill us. Well, is not the evidence as well that he... Was hanging onto his phone for no reason. Yeah. And his gun and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Well, anyway, I think it would have been good if it had just been like, we have the denouement, she produces the envelope, we see the um, other characters decide that he's bad, yeah. and then we end then with the, the him being arrested. Yeah. yeah. That would have been much... I, I would have preferred I, that, I but agree. is that just a case of like, I am boring, so I prefer that? Um... Yes, it is a case of that, uh, but I think it is fine to have that point of view. And you are probably not the only one. I feel I like... I agree with you. I I'd like rather have seen that than gratuitously blowing up a private blowing, island. Blowing up. And burning the Mona Lisa. Also... Poor Mona Lisa. Uh, and another thing. I don't think <laughs> that the character of Benoit Blanc yeah, so like, would yeah. condone destroying a load of priceless fine art. Because well, it's basically his idea to well, blow it all up. And I think he's probably someone who has a deep appreciation for art and aesthetics yeah. and things of value. And he wouldn't say, you need to destroy all of... You need to destroy the Mona Lisa. I don't think a man yeah, like that But I also do don't think that he would... What I found weird was <clears> that he was encouraging her to blow up this house while there's like five or six innocent people in it. Oh, uh, I'd say... Oh, no. That he yeah, wouldn't do that. That's ridiculous. That's a very Poirot move. Poirot wouldn't even do that. Poirot has some very odd ideas about morality a... and who deserves to live and He's die. He's not that much of a vigilante. He's, he can be quite a, a lot very... of a vigilante Well, I sometimes. saw that house blow up and it was very dangerous, I thought. It certainly was. Well, also, it was very stressful when they were all running around on broken on the glass. glass. Yeah, I didn't and the like women it. were all wearing tiny little sandals. I didn't like it. Yeah. <laughs> um, I could have... I think it should have... Um, ended i think it's because we are crime fans and we are not looking for a big set piece climax we are looking for like yeah. somebody being brought to justice yeah but what i would and, hope uh, and the end of a plot being tied up nice and neatly yeah. i think that's what we prioritize so i think what, what i would hope for as this because i expect there will be many more knives out films to come there's at least going to be one more because yeah. this one's been a success i would hope that the producers and the writers and stuff realise that people are enjoying having a proper crime story and yeah. therefore you don't have to bring in, you know, yeah. the ending from Transformers 3. Yeah, you I, can just I end think it like the ending was the bit I liked least. Um, I think the twist was fine. I think I could have done without it. I would have liked. Yeah, yeah. I would have liked the I film didn't more mind it. without. It was, I, I don't fairly, mind it. I'm fairly neutral. On I don't that. mind it, but I think it would have been easier to watch the film and would have just been more satisfying. It would have made our lives easier doing the synopsis at the beginning. Yeah, it was hard, but I, I yeah, I hope that they will see that there are people because I mean, what we watch, we put the TV on, and they're just rerunning Marvels and Poirots all the time. Yeah, people they need want new to, things to put people on. want to watch them, even if they are like traditional slash boring slash linear plots like people want that so i think that it would be amazing and the, the sort of like high budget it is great to see yeah, stuff being I made like this agree. um we thought there was a there were a few there were things about it like that could have probably been straightened out a bit better like the reliance on a napkin to prove ownership of a company was stretching my 
yeah, stretching my, my levels of believability. My knowledge of corporate law is highly limited, but I don't think when you break up like a multi-billion pound business like that, it could ever be allowed to go down to that Who, what, on rubbish level of ele- um Because the, the amount of like multinational power that goes with it, I thought when ownership wrangles happen with things like that sort of government stepped in and broke up the companies Mm. i just think Uh, you can have like sort of silly dodgy stuff but like it stretched me a bit farther you you can forget about that yeah no it's just the setup really did you like that it was set in covid I actually quite I, liked I'm, it. I'm neutral on it. Like I, I really yeah. don't mind. Like, people have been complaining. There was an article yeah, but look, where people the, were like, "Oh, people are complaining about one thing about Knives Out," and it but was the like pandemic the pandemic happened. That's what like, I mean. Like it happened. You know, so, um, I liked the whole thing about him having an allergy. I've never encountered that. You didn't. You're like rolling your eyes. Oh um, well, it's just so convenient. I liked it because I've never encountered that in a detective story before, and it, it was like you could really use that in because mm. it wasn't really. But it's good thing. It's good thing that the guy with the pineapple allergy is the one that found out about the death of Andy first. Yeah, is all I can say. Yeah, well, I I thought it was a nice little um, yes device. Indeed, because the only other alternative would be if he was carrying around deadly poison in his pocket, which would be a bit silly, really. Yeah. Although that actually would be quite believable given the circumstances, I suppose. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> given that he is already a murderer. Yeah. <coughs> could easily have been poison. Yeah. Should we, should we wrap this up? Yeah, I think so, yeah. Um, I would like to say that I enjoyed this film. I thought it was really good. Yeah, and, I loved uh, it. And it's been nice reviewing it as well. Yeah, uh, watching it was uh, hugely enjoyable. It makes me so happy that these things are becoming fashionable again. So I think that because detective fiction is a, is quite a new genre, really. Yes. Because it only really came into being like late nineteenth, early twentieth century, mm-hmm. um, and it, it represent in my view that I kind of came out of like the world wars. Um, crime fiction kind of came out of those influences, and I think nowadays because <clears throat> I think the world is going through like some difficult times, like for example, COVID, and now we have sort of economic problems as well. I think that um, this may explain why there seems to be a trend for murder mysteries at the moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I think maybe because people are, like, lives are getting more difficult again, I think maybe people are, like, going back to these genres because they are comfortable and they're easy and they're enjoyable. And the social commentary within them is very tied to, like... They're, they're not... It, there is social commentary, but it's not so much that you would... It would put you off. Yeah, and it also is um, accessible to all because it doesn't necessarily pin its colours to the mast in any one way yeah, or Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like we were saying, like, I don't think you need to try and figure out who these people represent. I think they're just, they're caricatures of, like, types, and we know the types. And if this was written in the 20s, it would be just different types, wouldn't mm-hmm. it? Mm-hmm. But you can recognise them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think it was really, really enjoyable. Yeah, I mean, I've probably nitpicked a bit and been like, eh, there was problems here. But like... Um, so it's always going to be like when you do, I a, when do, you do a review podcast. Yeah. No. <laughs> Those problems definitely didn't outweigh the good things. It was really enjoyable. And really yep. escapist, comfortable watching. Should what did have... you... Can I, can I ask as well, before we finish? Yeah. You're a Beatles expert. <laughs> I'm not no, I'm a not. Beatles <laughs> expert. Can you say anything about the name of it? Right, so... From what I have read, it's got nothing to do with this Beatles song. That's a, It's a stupid Beatles song. I like it, but it's a silly one. And it's got certainly got nothing to do with murder. <laughs> and, <laughs> you know, I, I, the idea is that he want, it was thinking about glass and clear because it's about the, the real answer being in plain sight. Um, oh, right. That was sort of like a running theme. Oh, yeah. So we didn't talk about this, but what I quite... Another thing I quite liked about this film... Uh, was that the obvious person did it. Yeah. That. That's the point. That's the point, yeah. yeah. But, yeah, I, th- I think he was just then like, yeah, glass, glass. Oh, yeah, the Beatles, the glass onion, we'll call it that. Yeah, I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, yeah well, I actually think it's a bit silly, but... <laughs> but we liked it anyway. And we are giving you disruptive opinions. Yeah, about we're disruptive. We're the disruptors. Yeah, let's uh, let's wrap things up there. Let's wrap. Go watch it. Note. You'll have to get Netflix to get it if you don't already, but it's worth it. I don't know, probably out on DVD soon. Yeah. Okay. Right. Well, um, 
that was a little bonus episode for you all. I've enjoyed it. Have you enjoyed it, Bridget? I've loved it. It was great. great. Okay, brilliant. Thank you very much, uh, listener, and goodbye. Goodbye. Thank you for listening to the Crime Fiction Casebook Podcast. The episode was written, produced and researched by Bridget Coulter and James Wilson. The theme music was also composed, performed and recorded by Bridget Coulter and James Wilson. Please give me a follow at Crime Fiction Casebook on Instagram. Thanks again for listening and we hope you join us next time. Goodbye. Goodbye.